0: It's the end of the year and you know what that means! Listicles! Lots and lots of listicles! We hardly did any listicles this year and boy howdy do we have a backlog! Uh, here's one. 10 things you didn't know about JFK's tie. Uh, or this one. The 32 signs your government is controlled by eels.
1: No, Josh. The time for listicles is past. Or has been shunted into the future? No. It's time for the yearly year in review.
0: Really? Again? S-s- supremely lazy content. But it's so
1: soothing. In fact, the promise of a soothing year in review episode has lured out one of the many conspirators we have been trying to uncover. Yes, Gillies P. Cam. If that is your real name. Your migraine might have passed, but in falling asleep to one of our podcasts, you made the tragic mistake of leaving your mentions open we were finally able to reveal your
0: part in the conspiracy. Yes, we now know that it is you who buys the pants. For what reason, we still aren't entirely sure, but we know. We know. Of
1: course, now that we know about you and your pants-based role in the conspiracy, Gillies P. K., And we
0: still harbour doubts that that is your name.
1: You are now inextrably linked to us for all time. Or at least until the mystery of what
0: really happened to MH370 is solved. Which comes with costs and with benefits. Mm. (laughs) Uh, One benefit, apparently a best of 2019 episode. An episode which cannot consider itself as the best of 2019, which might be awkward if it turns out to be our best output this Mm. year. These are the contradictions we have to confront. Yes, so
1: why not join Josh and myself as we take a look back on 2019 and ask... Did we enjoy it? The answer will surprise you. But first to celebrate the end of the year, it's time for a special party-based theme tune. Hit those dicks, Joshie A. Edison! Hey, it's the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy.
0: Christmas and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. It's our last episode for the year. It is our last episode for For this year. year. Yes, but not not for last year, for instance. That was one about 50-odd episodes ago. Certainly not the last episode for next year.
1: No. No, I mean, it would be weird to have the final episode Mm. of next year, this year. Although, I mean, like TV shows, you kind of film your finale... At some point in the middle of your mm. season, the year before it actually plays, it gets very confusing. it's a bit timey wimey mm,
0: mm. no, none of that here um so we we of course, being i josh edison, they dr m denteth uh, we the podcast, we, the guide podcast to the conspiracy. conspiracy um have a couple of, we have two new patrons mm. Mm.
1: now, one we will not mention in part because they haven't pledged to the level that we do mention them, also in part because. Their name appears to be unpronounceable, Uh, mm. which might be part of their cunning ploy. Mm. And of course, someone who we're calling Gillies P. Cam, although their actual username is actually just one word. So we're kind of making breaks to make a joke Mm. of a name out of there, who has joined our wonderful pantheon of patrons and now gets to get the bonus content that
0: patrons get access to every week. Mm. And there will be bonus content for this week. Oh, there There's will be. We'll be talking about super
1: centenarians. Centenarians, C-
0: centenarians I think. Centena- yes.
1: I mean, that sounds like a, a Marvel mm. villain that the X-Men used
0: to fight. The super centenarian, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. But it's not. It's just a very old person.
1: <laughs> which is mm. which is the biggest threat to the Marvel universe yet. Possibly.
0: But anyway, that's, that's for later. It's it not is later, for later. Now is now. And now... Um, We're going to have a look back at 2019. I guess we should play some sort of a Sting. Should we do that now?
1: Yeah, I think we'll put the Sting right about
0: here. Yep, that's some good Sting placement, I think. So in previous years, we've sort of rattled off everything we did in the year, and it doesn't really give you time to have much of a look at anything. So we thought this time we'd each pick our three favourite episodes and just have um, a bit of a talk about them, although favourite Possibly not not the most accurate word to use uh, for you to to start with your first pick.
1: Yes, so my favourite episode of the last year has to be episode two eleven, which wears, which wears, which mm. wears. I have no idea what's going on with my mouth today. You need either more or less alcohol. Yes. Mm. Broadcast March 21st. It is, of
0: course, the Christchurch mosque shooting episode. Mm. Yes, I mean, certainly the biggest thing to have happened in New Zealand for a very, very long time, and the sort of thing that immediately started um, inspiring conspiracy theories. So we kind of couldn't not devote an entire episode to it. That's what we did. No,
1: so for those of you who aren't aware of local history or indeed major political events that occurred in our region of the world back in March of this year, There was a series of mass shootings in Christchurch at two Islamic centres leading to the death of at least 50 people Mm. and all inspired by a terrorist alt-right white supremacist manifesto that the shooter had authored themselves, which has then led to a whole tranche of, say, gun regulation, gun control movements in the country... And a forthcoming trial about a terrorist which will be occurring
0: next year. Mm. So the media here decided not to name... This particular which we terrorist, are following. Which we have this. Also, not done either. I think it's sort of kind of kicked off by the prime minister. She she made a point of saying, oh, "I'll I'll never mention his name." Now, overseas news agencies have no such compunction. So, if you look at any um, any uh, outs overseas news source, you can find the guy's name out fairly quickly. But um, that's neither here nor there. Um, so, yeah, there, there's been what what has there been so far? there have been sort of hearing, sort of pre-trial.
1: Yes. Yeah, so they got the usual arraignment where the suspect gets to plead guilty or not guilty he has pled not guilty he wants to give a spirited defense as to why shooting oh well shooting more than 50 people yeah. killing 50 people was something that was not a crime in this country, which is going to be a fairly interesting argument. Well, yes. And there were issues with finding him representation with actual legal firms in the country. He's been through several sets of lawyers by this particular point in time. So, yes, it's going to be a very interesting trial. It's going to be interesting to see how the media covers mm. it,
0: both locally and also internationally. Yes, because it certainly, just from what we've seen so far, looks like the guy is going to want to use his trial as a platform to start rattling off all his his bullshit white supremacy yes. beliefs and the media has sort of um what 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 was it it wasn't was it was it a compact or an agreement or something the media had sort of imposed upon themselves a bunch of conditions about it, uh, to not spread this guy's views as much as possible so they have said in the past that they will refrain you know when when reporting on the trial they won't be repeating any of the white supremacy stuff he says. Although that is quite possible, difficult,
1: but given the coded nature of mm. the kind of rhetoric he and his ilk engage in, that you need to be fairly fairly confident in being able to decode white supremacist symbols and language to then make sure
0: you're not reporting them in the media. Yeah, I mean the 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 this little example of course of the okay gesture which I is so many, doing that on camera. So many layers of, of sort of irony and trolling, and, and is it a white supremacist thing or isn't it? But It um, wasn't, and now it is. It wasn't, and now it is, yes. But it's something. So, but he, he was flashing it in, in his arraignment. So, you know, um, a, an obvious white supremacist and murderer of 50 people thinks it's a fun sign to flash. So that should, um, that should tell you something.
1: And as someone who has the legal permission to have a copy of the terrorist manifesto, and thus one of the people who can admit to having read it and can talk about it and I'm not going to talk about it in any depth like I didn't at the time it is filled with hyperbolic language that on the face of it can't be taken seriously which is of course precisely what these people do But if you know how the language works, it's all coded references that other like-minded individuals are going to understand.
0: Mm. Now, yeah, you mentioned the gun law changes, so they've come into effect, but now... Well, Well, the first first trial. So so,
1: it turned out after the shootings down in Christchurch that we actually have incredibly lax Mm. gun laws in this country, to the point where most people were horrified locally when they discovered just how lax our gun laws are. So we had a first tranche of gun laws which restricted particular semi-automatic weapons from being available to ordinary citizens with some exemptions for farmers for farming use. sort of
0: apply for a license to get them.
1: And there are also uh, bush rangers and the like have access to these weapons when it comes to removing pest and other related mammals in our native bush. But there's a whole bunch of restrictions placed, placed upon particular armaments. And that was the first tranche. The second tranche of gun laws is to bring about an actual gun registry. Because it turns out we don't know how many guns there are in this country, mm. let alone who owns them. And that's now become a bit of a political football.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, the, the talking points you hear seem to have been copied and pasted from the NRA. And it's hard to get a feeling for exactly how big the opposition to these laws are. There's there's one guy in particular who's uh, a, a seller of guns who seems to be have become the figurehead for the sort of gun rights movement here. A seller but of guns with convictions for gun smuggling in the US. Mm. So I don't like, there, there doesn't seem to be a massive sort of groundswell of of. Uh, opposition to these gun laws just a bit of bit of a vocal minority but but it does saying. turn
1: out that two of our political parties act and national are listening to that particular rhetoric and going well if we come back into government we might rescind some of the stuff so you
0: might want to think twice about handing in your guns because we might change those rules. As, as we as has sort of developed throughout the year we've had a bit of a Bit of an issue with, with white supremacist rhetoric at, at the University of Auckland as well. in the Yes, this has been a,
1: a quite confounding thing. So it turns out there have been white supremacists operating on the University of Auckland campus for quite some time. But they seem to be emboldened after the attacks down in Christchurch in March of this year. And it turns out that the administration, not the academic staff at the University of Auckland, has been rather loath to do anything about it to the point where they don't even want to tear down white supremacist symbols
0: that have been posted all around the campus yeah they seem to be sort of running a
1: a freedom freedom
0: of speech sort of not wanting to take a stand on any you know not wanting to adopt anything that could be accused of being a a, a taking a side or any sort of a, a real stance on it but that just kind of makes them look dumb
1: And also, it actually does contravene the constitution of the university, which is designed to make sure that all students feel safe on campus all the time. And it turns out that when you have one of the most cosmopolitan universities in the world, white supremacism makes a significant part of the population feel very, very uncomfortable. Mm. So,
0: shall I do my first
1: one? I think so, because yours is... Much less depressing than mine. Well, well it, it's
0: less depressing.
1: Less depressing. Definitely. It's not entirely not, not depressing. Yeah,
0: precisely. No, my, my first pick of a for a favourite episode is episode two hundred and five that went out um, early last early this year, February the eighth, which was our second look at gang stalking, and we started looking into targeted individuals or oh, TIs. TIs. Yes, these are people, Magnum TI. Mm, people who believe Actually, that
1: that kind of works as a concept because the whole point of Magnum Pi. As he comes back from, is it Korea or Vietnam that he's a he was a marine in?
0: Not sure. Never watched a lot of Magnum PI. So you
1: can imagine a situation where he's got PTSD mm. after his time in the war, and he thinks he's a targeted individual. Magnum Ti CBS, Good if you're work. listening, yeah. come to us. We've got all the really bad ideas. Mm.
0: But until then um we can talk about that episode a bit more so uh, targeted individuals of course are people who believe they are being targeted by by some mysterious them the the government or or some some authority or other um for sort of targeted harassment that takes many forms they believe you know it can be people harassing them on the streets um it can be electronic interference, it can be messages being beamed into their heads um And a whole lot of things that basically sound like symptoms of paranoid schizophrenia. Yes, which led us to a very interesting discussion.
1: Are these the conspiracists that so many people who use the pejorative form of conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorist? are these the conspiracists they're actually worried about? People whose beliefs appear to be entirely subject to paranoia, and not any kind of evidence based rationality.
0: And I mean, they do refer to things like good old MK Ultra, um, which 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 was a real thing that yep. really happened and did involve experimentation on people without their consent or knowledge. But when you actually talk to the people, and indeed one of the things that we used as reference for this episode was a video that Vice put out a couple of years ago. Um, where they they followed a couple of these targeted individuals. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of their stuff kind of didn't stack up. One guy who reckoned, you know, talked about how magnets would stick to him because of whatever electrical implants and stuff had been put into him. And when when it came down to it, it was this dude putting tiny little sort of magnets like you get off the back of a fridge magnet onto his skin where they stuck because they're tiny and he was a little bit sweaty, really. Yes. Yes, and, there wasn't um, much of a mystery to that no. one at all. And, you know, brought out some sort of a voltmeter and was sort of holding it onto the back of his neck and saying, look, see, you know, the needle twitches when you put it on my skin. And then the documentarian said, oh, can you put it on my skin? And the, the exact same thing happened to him, which of course... Because it say. turns out the brain mm. is really quite filled with electrical current. But um, I just found this episode really interesting just because of the some of the, I don't know, the contradictions involved. These are people... Um, who appear to be suffering from from some sort of paranoid delusions and yet the nature of their delusions fight against it. These people, you know, they had some of them, one of the guys who quite casually talked about how he had these voices telling him to kill his family. Um, even when he's talking to the documentarian, he's like, oh, there they are now, they're telling me to tell you to bugger off and not talk to you. Um, but because these people believe that this is the voice of the enemy, that these are people who are trying to trick them and, and, and you know the the enemies who are subjecting them to the stuff, that motivates them to not do the horrible things they're being told to do and to actually resist it. Um, and then further, furthermore, they sort of yet, especially in the internet age, they sort of group together and have these sort of support networks, which psychologists will say is kind of not a good thing because they all get together and reinforce their own delusions. Yes. And yet they're reinfor- also reinforcing their desire to fight against the delusions. They sort of, you know, at the same time as they're receiving these these paranoid messages, they're also resisting them by, the, by kind of the exact same delusion. Yes, I
1: suppose the worry there is given, now we're assuming that targeted individuals are not being predated mm. upon by a state apparatus. So if they are suffering from a delusion, There are other factors which are going to potentially exacerbate delusional states, which means that those groups can very easily fall apart. Mm. And so the reinforcing mechanism that allows them to survive can then collapse into something which is an even worse state. And then you've got the person who has the voice in their head saying, kill my family, who no longer has any kind of support structure that tells him that killing his family would be a bad idea.
0: Mm. Um, I looked. I, I tried to find a bit of an update to this story, just in, in coming up with the notes for this episode. I couldn't couldn't really find any follow ups on Vice, which was unfortunate because I would. The the episode it ended. They two of the guys talked about how they'd um, got in touch with some clinic in in Spain, I think it was that was willing to give them a full body MRI or something so they could finally hunt down whatever implants had been put in them. Um, and they were supposedly going off to do that. And then at the end of the documentary, it sort of said no, they never made it to Spain. Um, so I don't really sort of find out what happened there. And then, and then they also, um, one person they spoke to a lot was a woman whose circumstances were always just a little bit strange. Yes, she yes. Seemed to be like she she lived in people's flats and shipping containers and so on because she thought wherever she stayed, you know, she'd, she'd she'd get these headaches or whatever, which were a result of her electromagnetic beams or something being shot at her by her harassers. And went, no matter where she moved to, after a little while, they'd start up again, and she'd move again and so on. But She also was uh, jetted off overseas for retreats and other places, um, quite happily appeared to be sort of independently wealthy, um, but they never really got into her circumstances. No, no, that was a bit weird. She was, she was also the one who'd managed to get a doctor to cut open her hand, essentially, looking for an implant, which... When nothing turned up, just uh, would just prove that it was so. So that proves it was nanotechnology. The fact that we couldn't yeah, see any implants. it's so he, small it can't when be When he found. cut open the part of my hand where I was sure there was an implant. Yeah, so which just goes
1: to show that in certain situations, doctors will do anything for a good payment of cash. I trying to suppose, look out how to finish yeah. that sentence. Yeah, I'm not saying all doctors, the does it, there are going to be some doctors out there. I mean, we knew back in our university days when people want, wanted, say, ritlin or Spade, there were certain doctors out there who would prescribe it to you for dietary reasons. Mm. And it was quite known that that was a boondoggle.
0: Mm. An actual boondoggle. Yes. Nice word. Yes, I, I just picked that one because I found it a fascinating topic, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what's your, and, and which I, I'm assuming is your motivation for your second pick? Yes, the murder of Uluf.
1: Palmer, the Swedish Prime Minister, who in February of
0: 1986 was murdered on a walk home with his wife from the cinema. Mm, yeah, so an actual head of state being shot dead in the street. It was kind of the, um, the Swedish JFK, yeah. really. And it's an unsolved
1: murder to this day. And because of the status of the victim... And the fact that the crime has never been solved. It's still an active investigation in Sweden. Mm -hmm. It actually might be the most expensive investigated crime in human history, Mm -hmm. given the number of Swedish krona that's been poured into the investigation. And when you think about it, when your prime minister is shot on the streets of Stockholm and no one knows who did it, you kind of want that solved because it's a pretty major issue. But due to the fact that it hasn't been solved and the variety of different theories and suspects, there are a number of conspiracy theories about not just the death of Palmer, but also why it was never solved in the first place.
0: Yeah, so there are conspiracy theories around either the police cocking up the investigation and then covering their own asses to... um, make to to save face, or deliberately, or deliberately cocking up the investigation, and
1: know. thus covering up the fact that they didn't want to solve it in the first mm. place.
0: But I mean, it, there, there does seem to have been a bit of a bit of incompetence, really. Um, the, there was the first officer or detective, I assume, who was put in charge Hund of the case. Hans Holmer was obsessed with the Kurdistan Workers Party and was sure they were behind it for reasons that pretty much just appeared to boil down to racism. Yeah, basically they were foreigners, he
1: was a xenophobe,
0: they were the convenient suspects. Mm. And so put a lot of time and effort into investigating that angle um, and refusing to investigate anything else. So by the time someone finally basically rested I the mean, case because, off him.
1: Yeah, the case was rested off him and he was retired. Mm.
0: Uh, it was a year or two cold by yeah. that point, so uh, as I recall, the reason why we were talking about it back in May of this year um, was because there had been an article and someone... There was, there was a little development where this old walkie-talkie had shown yes. up. Yes, yeah, so it was a
1: a case of... It turned out that someone, the day after the crime was committed, was in the area and found a walkie-talkie, which was never revealed to the police... And then when they found out about it, they're going, it's actually a fairly rare technology for the time. And it's a rare item for Swedes to have at that particular point in time. Maybe it's connected with the criminal activity. Now, as far as I'm aware, no one knows anything more other than it was found proximate to the crime... They think it may have been used by either the assailant or people working with the assailant. The theory is the walkie-talkies were used to plan the crime in situ. But at this stage, they know no more Mm. than we knew back at the beginning of the year.
0: But the presence of a walkie-talkie itself would have been significant because that would suggest multiple conspirators here, whereas some of the possibilities have been... Um, that it was just some guy. In fact, was it was it the Krista Peterson fellow? Yes, was actually convicted mm. for the murder in 1989,
1: but then eventually pardoned because of a lack of motive, mm. a lack of a murder weapon, and the fact that the uh, the identification of him by the witness, uh, Lisbeth Palmer, Olaf Palmer's wife, was taken to be unreliable due to the police cocking up the lineup.
0: Mm. Uh, now was he the guy who supposedly um, shot the prime minister, mistaking him for someone else? I know there was one scenario where the where the, the claim was that the guy had mistaken the prime minister for someone else who looked a bit like him, who was like a, a drunk no, dealer I think that's another there, suspect. That another one? There, again. There, were, there were a few yeah. different suspects, and they're all yes. although yeah, equally. The Peterson fishy.
1: one is interesting because after being pardoned. He kept on going on TV and suggesting that maybe he had done it after all. Mm, suggesting, was yeah, just, just stating. Attention-seeking. Yes, yes, and yeah. so there was a theory that he was mentally ill
0: and thus was using this as some way of acting out. Mm. And then, there, because it's been such a significant event, then there were the sort of repercussions in the works of fiction as well, weren't there?
1: Well, yes. So Stig Larsson, the author of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, who I believe the Swedish title of the first book is actually the men who hate women. Mm. It was only the girl who kicked the hornet's nest that then meant that they renamed the first book with an English name similar to the second book. And he was obsessed with the assassination of Olaf Palmer. His theory was it was a state-led execution because back in the mid-80s in Sweden... Nationalists and white supremacists were very much embedded in the police force and security apparatus of Sweden at the time. Palmer was a left-wing firebrand, the apparatus didn't like that particular fact, they had a good reason to get rid of him, and thus Lawson thought it was a quite deliberate state-led conspiracy to kill off a prime minister that they didn't like. And what actually drew me to this originally was that many years ago when I was in Norway, I watched a TV series called Death of a Pilgrim, which is a fictionalized account of the investigation into the death of Olaf Palmer in the modern
0: day where they solve the crime. Mm. Which just seems really odd. Yes, taking an unsolved crime and then just writing a solution to it based on... uh, Imagination I assume Yeah, basically Who who, who did it in the show Oh, uh, it
1: it was a police-led conspiracy By right-wing members of the conservatory But they they make up the Mm. person responsible I suppose because they're a bit worried about libel law
0: Well, yes, yes, you would be Yeah, so again, just a fascinating case Uh, So something that here on the other side of the world And in the English-speaking world I guess not a lot of people know about But in Sweden the Prime Minister who got bloody shot in the street now of course this does make me think we've never talked about the Australian Prime Minister who went for a swim and never came back we've mentioned
1: him yes we've never never discussed there are are conspiracy theories galore about him being abducted by the Russians So Mm, there's probably something in that.
0: Might add that to our list whilst you talk about your second pick. My second pick is is, is, is genuinely, I think, the best episode possibly that we've ever done. I don't know, but unfortunately... I mean, it's, in, con- it's controversial. In circumstances that unfortunately we're unlikely to repeat. My, my, my second oh, pick... The, the, it's going to happen again. Oh, probably I mean, will. it almost did a few weeks ago. That's true, actually, yeah. Episode 215, April 18th of this year. Now, the actual... Topic of the episode was the um, fire at Notre Dame Cathedral and the conspiracy theories around it. And you may recall earlier this year, big fire at Notre Dame Cathedral did a hell of a lot of damage. And immediately there were conspiracy theories around whether it had been set deliberately and by whom and who was covering stuff up and so on and so forth. But um, that's not why the episode was great. Why the episode was great was because I showed up at M's house to record that episode. M opened the door and said... <laughs> I'm very, very drunk. And he was. (laughs) Yes, I've been out drinking
1: with friends of the show, Mm. Jamie and Nick, and I'd only planned to go for a few drinks because I'm a responsible person, had a podcast to record, and Jamie kept on saying, have another drink, have another drink. And I did, and I arrived back home, actually forgot we were going to record a podcast, only remembered about 15 minutes before Josh turned up, very hurriedly set up things, and then we spent 25 minutes
0: recording the intro. We did, yes. It turned out, reading from a script while drunk... Not, very not, difficult, not so easy. Very,
1: very difficult.
0: The rest of the episode went fairly swimmingly. I thought you you, you acquitted yourself quite well. But um, I was I was passionate. Yeah. I was I was you were really animate, invested. Animated, yep. it's true. It was very good. No, so in fact, th- that's the one episode where I know we know from the stats that most people consume this podcast in audio form. It goes up on YouTube every week, but the viewership stats indicate that most of you probably don't have time to sit down and watch a video, which is which is fair. You can do other things while listening to a podcast, but what and kind of takes your full attention. But that one episode is the one I think everyone needs to watch because while the audio version just sort of had the final product of I the did, I did the edit intro, a lot of
1: the problems out of the audio because as audio it didn't quite work. No, but in
0: the, the, the video contains the supercut of, I can't remember, all, all 11 or was it 15 attempts? I can't yeah. remember. There, there were a lot of, of stopping and of starting. And it is quite frankly brilliant viewing. Um, and 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 your star turn, I think, I have to say, Strong. your finest. Moment. I mean, it were
1: not for the fact that I would probably kill myself doing it every week. We should do more drunk podcasting.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah, we, we, at the time, I think we mentioned the, that whole drunk histories show and and the fun they have with that. It was it was pretty much pretty much on a par, I think.
1: Yeah, we could do a recounting of the history of Northhead
0: with me being drunk. Nine mm. eleven, drunk, mm, drunk nine eleven. Um. So that brings us to your third and final pick, which I think once again you picked for similar reasons to my yes so
1: pick. i'm thinking once again, this is a one you really need to watch the video yes. for. this is episode two three a broadcast on October tenth QAnon non for kids mm. or how we scarred josh 's children I, I think the scarring went
0: in the opposite direction, I have to say because the my, lot of my fun. theory
1: is. What happens when they turn
0: 21? Are we going to be showing this video their 21st? No, it's possible. No, so this was the episode. It was filmed during the school holidays. It was, as I recall, and my wife was away at a teacher. Con- my wife is a teacher, and so here's the school holidays. My wife's also a has... common law partner. You keep on. Well, know, you yes. had a civil union. Celebrate the civil union. Close enough. There isn't a proper term for it. Uh, but at, at any rate, she was away. She was off on some teacher conference during the holidays, and so I was uh, looking after the boys myself. And we thought, well. I could try and farm them out or something while while we do our recording, or I could just bring them along. And so we decided, why, why don't we base an episode around that? And so we did. And, yeah, so we tried to explain QAnon to... A, a six and nine-year-old. Yes, and... Very, fairly quickly, I think it would be fair to say we lost control of the episode. Yes, and we never really no, got no. it
1: back. I no. mean, I mean, Lucas blesses Cotton Socks. Did try to engage. Enthusiastic
0: on camera. Yeah. But but Jack? No, I think, yeah, I don't know. L- L- Lucas was uh, most comfortable in front of a camera, I think. Um, I don't know. We, we eventually, once we put the episode together and put it up on YouTube when my wife was back home, we played it for her. She got about halfway through the episode before tapping out because Lucas was just so goddamn loud all the time. Yes. Um it was probably our most scatological it was, episode, yes. which is actually quite interesting. And, uh, you you'd be unsurprised to learn that to the to, to the minds of young boys farts are the funniest thing they are possibly to the minds of of grown adults as well but we wouldn't Well yes. That.
1: Yes. Uh well, I mean we both failed at wrangling mm. children completely. Mm. And yet I still feel that it was a very interesting experiment
0: and at least as informative as any other q and um
1: In fact, possibly
0: even more so Mm. Given the role of children in the narrative Mm. So yes, again, another one to hunt down on the YouTube channel If you feel like it, QAnon for kids Now, we're going to go in a completely different direction Mm. And go Shakespeare for women Shakespeare for women Women Um, Yeah, so my final pick is episode 225. I noticed I just happened to pick episode 205, 215, and 225. Number one! Exactly. Uh, So this one was now July the 5th. And we had the episode called Was Shakespeare a Woman? And uh, someone has remarked that any time a headline ends with a question mark, the answer is almost always no. No. And we thought that was probably the case, but it's still nevertheless just a really interesting thing to talk about. Um, In this case... um, um, Amelia Bassano, later Amelia Lanyer, once she was married off to her cousin, I think. As um, was the style of the time. Mm-hmm. is uh, was a contemporary of William Shakespeare. She is the first woman to publish a collection of poetry under her own name. Which was um, fairly remarkable was, at the yep. time,
1: because there were a lot of restrictions mm. in Elizabethan England as to who could publish and how they could publish. So if you were aristocratic... It was expected you published under another name, although there are so many exceptions to that rule that now people are going, maybe we're just wrong about that. But women in particular just weren't meant to have literary Mm. lives at all, which is why there's a whole history of women writing under the non-diplume of men Mm. around about that time. But
0: um, Amelia Lania did not do that. She, I believe, some woman had sort of published like pamphlets of poetry or something. But hers was a complete works that she published. Uh, Salve Deus Rex Judeorum, Hail God King of the Jews. It was sort of religious, lots of religious imagery and about women's, sort of woman, woman, a woman's role, I guess, how to be a good Christian. But it has been interpreted as being sort of proto-feminist in a way. So she's a very interesting person in her own right, but um, she's also a person who people have suggested might, is one of the contenders for the person who really wrote the mm, works of Shakespeare. Yeah. And in part that's due to the long-standing conspiracy that people have
1: that William Shakespeare of Stratford-on-Avon is not William Shakespeare the Bard. On the notion that William Shakespeare Shakespeare's Stratford-on-Avon doesn't have the right kind of fancy background or pedigree to have written the plays, and thus he was the stage manager and one of the actors in the troupe, but not the writer of the plays his name is associated with. Which has then led to a whole bunch of theories like the Earl of Oxford and the like being Could put Harry forward Tune. to explain...
0: Kit, no, Kit, yeah, the Kit actor Harrington from, is. He's John Snow, Kit yes, Marlowe. Yes, so Kit
1: yeah. Marlowe, yeah. non
0: Kit. <laughs> Although, interesting theory that Kit
1: Harrington is actually Shakespeare because when you think mm. about him as, as John Snow with that kind of almost Elizabethan beard, the northern accent. What you yeah, do yeah. is put a ruff around his neck, Ooh. and my God. It's the it's the picture on the folio of the first Shakespearean
0: pu- publication. You've hit on to an absolute mm. winner there, Joshua. Yes, no, sorry, oh, yeah. Kit Kit Harrington is Jon Snow. Kit Marlowe, of course, is the full name of the car from Knight Rider. Yes, that, that, that's true. Yep. That's very.
1: It's not often referenced hmm. in Knight Rider, but yes, it is. Kit Kit Marlowe, can you drive to my location?
0: Mm. Yay, Prithi. I shall. Yes. Mm. But yes, no, so so, so the theories about how it could be that Emilia Bassano wrote the works of Shakespeare kind of go along the same lines as the existing ones. It's Shakespeare can't have written them because he's not the right kind of guy. In in a lot of the ones it's, you know, he can't have written about court because he wasn't noble enough. He couldn't couldn't have written so well about things overseas because he wasn't well-travelled enough. And in this case it's he couldn't have written female characters as well as he did because he wasn't woman woman. enough. Yeah. Um, And when you really look into it, I mean they They spend a lot of time talking about how the reasons why they think Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare, and then go on to why they think in this case Amelia Bassano did. And a lot of it is the fact that we kind of only have circum like th- there's no definitive, there, there are no diary entries of Shakespeare saying today I wrote this bit of Macbeth. There are no records of anyone else saying ah today I popped in on Shakespeare and he was in the middle of writing Romeo and Juliet or something. There's no specific records of Shakespeare actually doing the writing. His name's on everything. But they'll sort of say there's a whole lot of, all the evidence that Shakespeare did write Shakespeare is circumstantial. And yet when they talk about all the evidence for their pet theory, it's all just as circumstantial. Yes,
1: you're replacing one circumstantial story with another, which is kind of lacking the history of attribution of the fact that nobody doubted the authorship of Shakespeare in Shakespeare's lifetime, just after Shakespeare died, or indeed up until the beginning of the 20th century, where a descendant of Francis Bacon thought, hmm, Francis Bacon isn't famous enough, I'm going to claim he also wrote the Shakespearean canon. Mm. I mean, the Shakespearean authorship controversy is a very new theory, which is kind of interesting in its own right.
0: Mm. Yes, I mean, that was my final pick. I mean, I just ordered chronologically, really, I guess. Um, Because, again, I just found it a very interesting topic. So I think Amelia Bassano is a woman we should hear more about, a very interesting figure. And And you don't need to make Mm. her Shakespeare to appreciate... How great her work actually was, and certainly there, there were ties. I mean, there's the suggestion that she was the dark lady that Shakespeare wrote about in some of his sonnets. Another MCU villain. Mm. Uh, there was some suggestion that there was stuff in that. Um, a lot of what we know about Amelia Bassano are from the diaries of another guy whose name I haven't got written down in front of me at the moment. Who was sort of a bit of an occultist and a bit of a bit of an apothecary or whatever. You know, back, back then, sort of scientist, occultist were kind of the same thing. Um, and Amelia Bassano was a patient of his, and he kept big, uh, he kept uh, detailed diaries, and so he's a person, uh, he has some of our best accounts of going to see a Shakespeare play. He wrote about attending Shakespeare's plays and so on, and he wrote about his dealings with Amelia Bassano, one of which was her sort of quizzing him on occult matters which people have taken to be possibly she was doing research For Helping Shakespeare with the supernatural elements of Macbeth because it was around that time So it's possible, you know, she certainly seems to be known to Shakespeare It's possible she was a bit of a collaborator, possibly an influence on some of his roles But no real evidence that she actually wrote the whole lot.
1: No, and it should be pointed out that the journalist who's putting forward this particular theory Seems to be much more interested in it as a bit of speculation. Mm. Than buying into a massive conspiracy to hide the real identity of Shakespeare, but it's a really interesting avenue into talking about Shakespearean authorship controversies and conspiracy theories.
0: A topic we have covered in the past as mm. well. Yes, no, so it was an int- and it was because you heard the interview with uh, Elizabeth on, Winkler, yeah, I believe, on national radio. Mm. So, I mean, the, the original theory has been around since about two thousand and seven, as I recall. But Elizabeth Winkler was here giving interviews earlier this year. She She's written interview. a book. She's written a book. And I mean, yeah, so in the interview she did say, look, I can't prove conclusively that Amelia Bassano did write Shakespeare, but it, it's it's an interesting thing and we should talk more about sort of women of the period and so on and so forth. Um, and I agree. Yeah. So there we go. So those are our top picks. The top of six 2019.
1: of 2019. Ooh. Which I think is a much better format for a year review.
0: Yeah, we should remember this next year, assuming we haven't all been teleported to Mars Or
1: turned into electric eels to go around JFK's neck. Mm.
0: And that's the end of the episode and the end of the year for us. Yes, so we'll do our usual thing
1: we do at the end of every year and ask for listener feedback, Mm. something which very rarely produces anything of note or indeed anything at all. But if there are things about this year you've really liked or things about this year that you haven't liked about the podcast... Why not write in to the contact details at the end of the show and give us your feedback. What do you want to see more of? What do you want to see less of? If you want to see more of me being drunk, you will have to actually contribute to the Patreon so we can actually make that Buy happen the hooch. without it affecting bank balances and my liver at the same time. Because
0: you do have expensive tastes.
1: I do. I do. I mean, this is... For those of you watching video, these
0: are single malts. These aren't bland. Mm. Mm. Um, yes, so yeah, if, if, if there is anything you'd like to tell us, uh, please do. Yes, please do get in contact. We always like getting mm. emails from our listeners. Uh, or You can even go to conspiracism.podbean.com and leave comments on the individual episodes yourselves, which hasn't happened a lot. And there was that one guy who didn't like the fact that we talked about Trump a lot in the episode specifically about Trump. Yes. But anyway.
1: Yes. That's but, fine. And I, I, I believe he was, a, he was a patron
0: and is no longer a patron. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, well. Um, so, <clears throat> this episode will probably be going out on the 20th of December. I personally am on holiday for about three or so weeks after that. So, it'll probably be mid-January. Before, before we're back. And what a good
1: turn we have planned. Do, do we? You've been invited to the notes for
0: the stuff for the next. No, I have. Uh, Oh, that's going to be the next episode. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was just for some unspecified time. No, no. I think we. I I think we get on this quickly. Right. Yep. No good. It makes perfect sense.
1: And then it means we can do that, and then by then will be the end of the month. There'll be the
0: catch up. Everything that's happened between now Mm. and the end of January. Indeed. So I don't know. I mean, just as an aside, uh, as we're recording this, the congress has voted to impeach trump yes so donald trump has
1: now been impeached now whether he's going to whether the trial is going to actually lead to him being ejected from the presidency is another matter entirely Mm. but donald trump is the third us president to have a vote of impeachment
0: Fourth, I think, because didn't Nixon resign before he could actually be impeached?
1: Yes, yeah, so, so I think that makes him Trump so there's officially Nixon, the third. Yeah. Nixon, Nixon was going and to be impeached.
0: Buchanan? No, Johnson. Johnson. Oh, no. One, one of them. Yeah. And another one. Jackson. 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 Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson. There we go. We're not, we're not American. No. We don't have to know American presidents. Mm. Um... Yeah, so so possibly when we come back, there'll be a lot to say, although it's all going to adjourn over Christmas anyway. I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, the, yeah, the a- actual trial won't, won't occur until mm. January anyway. And so. indeed, there have been theories that, that, that the Democrats should not actually start the trial and find some way to delay it all the way through until the election next year in the hope that they can then take control of the Senate so that when if the impeachment goes through, there will be enough numbers in the Senate to actually boot Donald Trump out. But that does kind of sound like wishful thinking. I have it
1: does. It, well, yeah. I think, I think it will require a lot of procedural work to yes. stop a vote from going ahead very quickly in a Senate which is controlled by the
0: Republicans. Yes, yes. Anyway, so yeah, we'll... We, we may have interesting things to talk about when we come back next year. Maybe we won't. We'll now,
1: after the break, for our patrons, we will have an exciting episode about a very, very, very old French woman Ooh. who may not have been as old as people claim she was when she died. Ooh. And the Russian conspiracy that may explain it
0: all. Mm. Yes, which old person might not have been that old doesn't sound particularly interesting, but actually I think this is quite a...
1: Yeah, it is quite so,
0: an interesting little story. So for our patrons, to whom we are not, not actually indebted, I suppose, but are eternally grateful, you can listen to that if you'd like to listen to that. If that sounds like something that would, would tickle your fancy or wet your whistle, uh, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com and looking for the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy or going to conspiracism.podbean.com where the uh, podcast is hosted. And signing up there. Um, And I I think we should probably let people go about their business. They've got lots of things to do. Christmas events to plan and hangovers to nurse and who knows what.
1: Well, precisely. Mm. So, season's greetings. Season's greetings. Merry
0: Festivus and Merry Keramete to you all. Indeed. We will see you next year. Goodbye.
1: La reo You've been listening to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, hosted by Josh Addison and Indented. If you'd like to help support us, please find details of our pledge drive at either Patreon or Podbean. If you'd like to get in contact with us, email us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com. Remember, Soylent Green is Meeple's